Orson Welles once suggested that the two things cinema cannot depict honestly are prayer and sex. This sounds so easy to refute as to grant the claim an authority it does not merit. Just how many sex scenes have you witnessed in cinema? And as for prayer in recent times, there has been a flurry of faith-based films that also feature obligatory supplication to a specific deity. The problem is dramatising those events. Drama is conflict, or more honestly, about emotional transitions. And those transitions come about by something that is often not explicitly declared. Something that one character is concealing from another. Or better still, when one character is in denial and suddenly happens upon a self-realisation. In other words, the scene is about everything other than what is on the surface. It is often what is not said, not gestured, but implied. Since prayer is supposed to be an act of supplication, absolute honesty is paramount. And if you're being honest, you're not concealing. And if you're not concealing, there's no subtext. The same with sex. Without the subtext, you literally and figuratively don't conceal a thing. So, good cinema sex is never about being sexy. One person's cinematic aphrodisiac might be another person's buzzkill. So what is it about? Sometimes filmmakers use sex as a way of dismantling a taboo. In 1934, Hollywood's Hays Code instituted a list of do's and don'ts. Profanity, nudity, criminality. And high on its list of don'ts was miscegenation, inter-ethnic relationships. Although Hayes's Code had been upheld for over two decades, by the time of the late 1950s, things had begun to change. Robert Rosson was a Hollywood director who'd been blacklisted by the McCarthy communist witch hunts. But by 1957, he had come back with Island in the Sun. This is my island in the sun Where my people have toiled since time begun I may sail on many a sea Her shores will always be home to me A romantic drama that featured a black Caribbean woman played by Dorothy Dandridge who falls for a white British officer played by John Justin. I just sat here thinking about you. It's a bad sign. Is it? No, somewhere someone once said that there's always a point at the beginning of a love affair where a man can draw back where he's still safe. Was that what you want to be? Safe? But even though their feelings for one another are pretty clear, the Hayes Code prohibited them from locking lips. Cheek to cheek was as intimate as they were allowed. While the film came under fire from critics, audiences made it one of the biggest hits of the year. Looking back on it today, however, it all seems very tame because the issue of internetting sex seems so outdated. Which goes to show, once the taboo is no longer a taboo, what is the scene really about? What films have sex scenes that are about something other than sex? Regarded as the best, Nicholas Rogue's Don't Look Now is perfect proof of what I'm saying. Adapted in 1973 from Daphne du Maurier's ghost story, it is about John and Laura, played respectively by Donald Sutherland and Julie Christie, 
whose marital happiness is shattered when their young child tragically drowns in the garden pond. Stricken with grief, John and Laura go to Venice. Yes, a city famously half drowned. The reason why they have to go there is because John is an architect and he has been engaged to restore a Renaissance church. One evening in their hotel, John and Laura are reading in bed and slowly they begin to kiss and fondle and here's the genius. Rogue intercuts their lovemaking with their getting dressed. Completely unexpected, their getting dressed creates the subtext. John and Laura are not having sex. They are experiencing an emotional, physical and spiritual rebirth in the face of their daughter's death. They are undressing their grief and dressing for a new day. In 1997, Steven Soderbergh filmed Elmore Leonard's crime novel, Out of Sight. He did something similar to Don't Look Now. Leonard's novel is strictly linear, but Scott Frank's script opted to tell the story inside out. This allowed Frank and Soderbergh to slide scenes alongside one another that otherwise would not sit together. And they did so to make a point. George Clooney plays escaped felon Jack Foley, who takes Karen Sisko hostage when he breaks out of prison. Karen, played by Jennifer Lopez, is a federal marshal, and despite their apparent differences, the two end up falling for one another. Deep into the movie, Jack and Karen meet up in a snowbound Detroit hotel. And the whole point of the sequence is not about sex, but about trust. Trust of one another and also trusting yourself. Watch it carefully and you will realise that by cutting back and forth between the bedroom and the bar, Jack and Karen are both, but individually, imagining the scene that they are anticipating will unfold in a few minutes upstairs. And then they're back talking in the bar. And once they trust themselves, they need to trust one another. Jack isn't completely certain that Karen will use the occasion to arrest him, while Karen knows that such an encounter could cost her her job. Which is why they don't so much undress one another as much as they do strip off in front of each other to show they are not armed. By contrast, Alan Parker's Angel Heart contains a sex scene that is so deceptive as to be damaging, and so damaging as to be demonic. Released in 1987, but set in 1955, Mickey Rourke is Private Eye Harold Angel, hired by mysterious figure Louis Cipher, played by Robert De Niro, to find missing crooner Johnny Favorite. Snooping around New Orleans, Harold finds Johnny's daughter Epiphany, played by Lisa Bonet. For a detective mystery, so far so predictable. But what happens next still has the power to shock. Because what passes between Harold and Epiphany is more than just bodily fluids. As I said, it is demonic. But now you said 
That brings me to the underlying problem of filming a sex scene. It is so highly subjective. We all like it the way we like it, and what may be erotic for me could well be a snooze for you. Therefore, the challenge to filmmakers is how to make sure it is interesting. Can this be intimate, taboo-shattering, ground-shaking? What sexual frontier can be explored? For many decades, heterosexuality was the only sexuality permitted on screen. However, it is more than curious that when laws were relaxed, lesbian sex was the one that was more regularly depicted, and mostly for the edification of the heterosexual male audience. So, while we have Tony Scott's The Hunger, John McNaughton's Wild Things, David Lynch's Mulholland Drive, and Abdelatif Kashish's Blue is the Warmest Colour, they all depict women making love with women, but directed by men. Now, is that a problem? Not necessarily. Because if we were to follow the argument against it to the nth degree, women would be deemed ineligible to direct movies about men. Or to quote from Laura Mulvey's landmark essay, The Male Gaze. By contrast, homosexual sex was clearly the bigger taboo. And it wasn't until 2005, with Ang Lee's Brokeback Mountain, that a mainstream Hollywood film finally depicted male-male sex. Yes, there had been some challenging allusions to it many years earlier. Think of John Schlesinger's Midnight Cowboy, nasty allusions such as William Friedkin's Cruisin', or comedic ones such as Mike Nichols' The Birdcage. One area of sexuality that is rarely, if ever depicted, surrounds people with physical disabilities. And again, it wasn't until the relaxing of censorship that the realities were depicted on screen. Hal Ashby's Oscar-winning drama Coming Home Will Jimenez and Michael Steinberg's The Water Dance, and Ben Lewin's The Sessions. However, it is curious that it is the men whose sexual needs are being addressed, and not women. You always heard the ones you love, the ones you shouldn't hurt at all. To reinforce this point, you only have to look at Derek C. and France's romantic drama, Blue Valentine. Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling play Cindy Heller and Dean Perriera and the time-shifting structure of the film reflects the push-and-pull, messy beginning, and even messier ending, of their relationship. In one intimate scene, Dean goes down on Cindy, and it was for that reason, and that reason alone, that the film was slapped with a very restrictive NC-17 rating in the United States. Williams and Gosling astutely pointed out that if the scene had shown Cindy going down on Dean, it would have safely secured a simple oar. And if I were old, your heart last night, it's because I love you. All of which proves yet again how puritanical and patriarchal American culture is. To prove the point, let's head across the Atlantic to France and back to 1958 when Louis Mal directed Les Amants. There, the very same thing happens when Jean-Marc Bory goes down on Jean Moreau. The French censor had no problem with it, but when it was screened in the United States, 
Theatre owners in cities such as Chicago, Portland and Cleveland were arrested and convicted of profiting from what was considered an obscene film. The most famous arrest was that of Nico Jacobelis, owner of the Heights Art Theatre in Cleveland Heights, Ohio. His case was heard by the Supreme Court of Ohio, which upheld the obscenity charge. The Jacobelis case was then reviewed by the US Supreme Court, where the conviction was reversed and Justice Potter Stewart delivered his famous definition of pornography. I know it when I see it. The irony is that in Les Amants, the only thing you see is Jeanne Moreau's face as she drifts into ecstasy. Clearly, the notion of a woman enjoying sex or a man serving her is threatening. Mon amour. Both scenes in Les Amants and Blue Valentine work dramatically, romantically, thematically and artistically. Because for me, on all levels, they are awkward to watch. Not because of their content, but because of their emotional honesty. They are not voyeuristic, but rather intimate. So intimate, I feel as though I were intruding on their privacy. That is exactly the opposite of almost every other sex scene in cinema. Because while every other sex scene is constructed to be watched, the vast majority of them never get beyond mere exhibitionism. But perhaps it is too much to ask of the Hollywood studios to invest in films where the very idea of sex and nudity might ward off vast swathes of the audience. For this reason, many of the most daring and successful films that explore the near-infinite sexual landscape in a dramatic manner are not funded by Hollywood. But sex and nudity aren't the challenge anymore. The internet caters for that. Now it appears to be more the psychological realm, as was explored by Stanley Kubrick in his final film, Eyes Wide Shut. Or addiction, which Steve McQueen examined to such masterful effect, in shame. As for the rest, I leave that to your imagination. Yes, boy.